Hi, I'm Anna. And I'm Kristen. We're best friends who both happen to have been born with limb differences. Join us as we talk about the many ways our limb differences impact our lives. From medical intervention to bullying to dating, we're covering it all. And we hope you'll share your stories with us along the way. This is Life and Limb. Why do I, I, we need to just start recording early and you need to not tell me so that there's like a natural conversation. Cause every time you're like, and we're recording, I just freeze up. <laughs> it's okay. like being in the studio with the band all over again. Exactly. Like, what well, are the lyrics to our songs? I'm not stopping the recording. We're keeping all of that. But Yay. here we go. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Hi, I'm Kristen Green. And I'm Anna Stiles. And this is Life and Limb. And it's episode three. three. And which is my favorite number, obviously. Because of your hand. Obviously. Oh. Yes. Three. Three it's, and eight. I have surpasses my my little foot's ability to count digits on. So oh. it's okay. Yeah, episode two was your episode. <laughs> we'll bleep it. I didn't even acknowledge it. <laughs> um didn't even acknowledge it, but you can also celebrate episode seven. I can. My lucky number seven. Yes. Seven. And then I'll have a little party for myself at episode eight as well. (laughs) (laughs) Did you actually do, is eight a favorite number for you? Oh, absolutely. Eight and three are definitely two of my favorites. And I know we've talked about this before, but I also have a very, very mild form of synesthesia where I associate all numbers and letters with colors. And so eight and three not only are like the number of fingers I have, but they're also purple and green, which I really like both of those colors. So little glimpse into Anna's weird mind (laughs) there for you. You could have a separate podcast for that. Honestly, I should. I should just start my – I've had this idea for a long time to start a Now What's Wrong with Anna podcast because of all the weird stuff I have going on. That's your own thing. Yeah, that's that's on my own time. (laughs) (laughs) But today we are talking about – Medical intervention. Yes. So – We differ a lot in this aspect because I have had extremely limited medical intervention, whereas Mm. Kristen has had extensive, extensive, (laughs) a lot. So, um, so yeah, I think we're going to talk mainly about the pros and cons of our different experiences having intervention versus not having intervention. And again, I want to say this right up front, we're not doctors. (laughs) Yeah, well, and well, I'll go into that a little bit when I start uh, talking about my personal experience with um, medical intervention for my limb difference. But yeah, for sure, we are not doctors. Um, The choices we made were our own and our families in cahoots with our own medical professionals in our lives. So right. So this is basically just us talking about our experiences again if that helps you glean some insight into potential things you might want to pursue awesome but do not take our advice over the advice of your doctor please don't that's so much pressure (laughs) yes um so yeah I guess maybe we should start with well Anna maybe we should start with our two Oh my god, we Little have segments. segments, don't we? Yeah. I completely forgot about our segments. I didn't. <laughs> Kristen gets the gold star this week. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I guess our first segment is Let's Catch Up. Let's Catch Up. <laughs> um, so I have a pretty big one. Oh, for this. Yes. 
for this uh, episode since when last we recorded. Um, my big thing is thanks to you, I now have a name for my limb difference. Yay! See, all I needed was to record it on a podcast saying that I didn't know of one and I hadn't been able to find one and poof, suddenly there is one. So Isn't that wild? Oh my gosh. Um, it is kind of wild. It also changes nothing other than the fact that I now have a way to connect with a community of people with similar uh, with similar situations. Yeah. I don't want to say conditions. Your um, yeah, similar limb differences. Yeah. But. Um, so what we found out is that it's um, fibular hemimelia. Yes. And there's also tibial hemimelia. It just depends which bone in the lower leg is affected. Mm-hmm. But the um, the symptoms, the effects, the causes, they all sound very similar, actually. Yeah. Um, so mine is fibular hemimelia. And basically all that means is that you are born with um, either part or all of your fibula mm-hmm. bone missing. And it causes the um, the leg to be shorter. And it also affects um, the structure of your foot and ankle. So they might be um, shaped differently. And you can also be missing toes. Or I think in some cases it said you may have extra toes. Interesting. So it's basically every everything I have is <laughs> summed up by this. Which I would always find people who had the um, length discrepancies. But then they're their foot or their hand or anything would look quote unquote normal. Yeah. So it didn't, I never had one thing that explained all of the stuff. Right. So now suddenly here's this thing that's like, I can give you this, go look it up if I don't feel like explaining it. I always feel like explaining it, but (laughs) yes, but still, yeah, it sounds almost like very, very similar to my limb difference actually in that ulnar longitudinal deficiency is the absence of part of the ulna. So it's like, it's kind of analogous and like, you know, arm versus leg. Yeah. So, and the thing is, this doesn't offer any sort of um, explanation for what causes it. There's no. still no known cause. Everything I read was very clear to point out that there's nothing a expectant mother can do. Yeah. Um, the parents couldn't have done anything differently. It's just luck of the draw, as far as yeah. the medical community knows at this point. Um, That seems to be the case with a lot of limb differences is that it's just random happenstance or it's genetic, but either way, there's nothing that the expectant mother could have done, which I think is sometimes a big worry. You know, like, did I do something wrong? Oh, yeah. No. No, you didn't. For sure. No. And the way I actually found this, too, is I was on the Lucky Finn group just browsing posts and everything, and there was this gorgeous little boy who just had the cutest smile, the chubbiest little cheeks, and um, his mom had said that he had an upper limb difference as well, and then um, tibular? Tibial? Tibial. (laughs) I do that, too. I do that, too. Um, Tibial hemimelia, and I was just like, what is that? And so I looked it up and immediately I saw a photo of a foot that looked like Kristen's. And so mm-hmm. I sent it to her right away. I was just like, you have to see this. So Well, and one of the articles you sent me had a picture that looked so much like my leg and ankle and foot uh-huh. with the contraption that I had on for my leg lengthening that I actually had to 
I tried to do a deep dive on the on the photo and the information provided about the photo to find out if that was a photo if it was you well yeah because I remember they I mean they took so many photos yeah um yeah oh my gosh that's fascinating but it wasn't I mean it's not (laughs) I sent it to my mom and she said something like well and it was it wasn't anything about the limb in the photo it was something about the brace that was like that's not how your brace looked but otherwise but that was the only clue yeah wow yeah that's crazy to see like something that could be you just yeah I've never seen that before wild yeah so that was exciting yeah yeah that's a huge catch-up it is yeah (laughs) that was a big one and again it's more like they saw enough of it I don't even know if this term I don't think it did exist uh, when I was born and when mm-hmm. I was going through all of my um, medical procedures. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm sure someone along the way would have told me and my parents. Right. Um, but I guess they finally saw enough of it that they have the terms now. Again, says nothing about the cause, but just you can at least see that this is a thing. It happens to other people. Here's what you can expect. And now, especially combined with the magic of the Internet, there's a whole community yeah it's wild to know that it isn't just you you oh yeah like it's cool I kind of figured I'm like there has to be others but I just I don't I had nothing to look for right find it so yay yay I know (laughs) that's super exciting yeah um my catch-up thing that I've been thinking about just recently is sort of a mental process that I'm going through just because uh, my husband and I are moving. We bought a house and yeah, and it's perfect. It's the perfect house. I'm in love with it. And um, so we're in the process of moving right now. And throughout all of this moving, of course, there are lots of heavy things to lift and lots of boxes. And I have, I'm a control freak. That's in my nature. I want to do things. I want to do things my way and all that sort of thing. And Throughout this moving process, I've really, really had to rely on my husband to do things because there are things that I just can't lift. I cannot get a grip on. And I always want to be able to do, you know? And Mm -hmm. so accepting the fact that I have some limitations here. It is okay to ask for help, Yeah, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Because that's a hard concept for me no matter what it is. If it's work, like – I feel like I should be able to handle all of my tasks all the time and never ask for help, which is not productive or helpful in any way. So I think this moving process is really helping me take a step back and just say, you know, it's okay to recognize that you can't always do it all, no matter what that is. And it is okay and actually a really good thing to be able to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's – every most people, I guess, want to be – good at things that they're not good at so I guess if you think about it more that way yeah it's just not your strong skill exactly yeah exactly math and lifting having heavy boxes that's you know my two struggles I think those are okay things to leave to other people got it yeah my husband was an economics major so he's got the math and the heavy lifting covered so perfect see they're you just have to find someone who compliments you do the heavy lifting for you exactly yeah Awesome. So what's next? We have our next segment. We We see you. We see you. We see you. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit. I got comments and messages from a couple of parents of children with 
fibular hemimelia since I posted on Instagram with that hashtag. Um, and I don't think this is like yours last week with um, Savannah, where she has her own individual page and she's the one with the limb difference and uh-huh. it's her journey. These are parents talking about their children. So I don't want to give their specific Instagram. So sure. this isn't going to be a like, hey, everyone go follow them yeah, type of we see absolutely. you. Just more of a general, um, the parents of little kids yeah, um, who they themselves have a struggle um, ahead of them as far as making decisions and trying to figure out what the best thing to do for their kids is. Yeah. I was just really touched by their messages and it was, it was a daunting task to mm-hmm. even think about trying to respond. But at the end of the day, it was just like, just, just tell them your story. Speak and also, yeah, just tell them about our, um, our page and our podcast so they can also have that resource to listen to. But but since they'll have that, what I can do is just talk to them like a typical person. Yeah. Because that's, that's what they want to hear is that their child is going to have a normal, happy life. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, that was my... Yeah. Shout out to the parents. I know. I feel like, honestly, as I be- grow older and as I start thinking about having my own children, I realize that it's probably more difficult to be the parent of a child with a limb difference than it is to have the limb difference in some ways. Like, because especially if you are not someone with a limb difference yourself, but you Mm -hmm. have a child who is, you don't have any frame of reference for what that experience is going to be like. And so the anxiety of just worrying about your child and having to make these decisions that could impact them and their functionality as they grow up. Yeah, and I I don't plan on having children um so that's not something I'll really ever experience but it also made me think about my own parents and what they went through which I've thought about but I don't think I've thought about it on this level before Mm because so much in prepping to do this episode to talk about the medical procedures that I've had and just what that what those decision making processes were like I had to ask them because I don't remember a lot of this, which might be comforting for parents to hear. Like, yeah, (laughs) so much of this was done so long ago and at such an early age. I mean, yes, I remember a lot, but the details are fuzzy because I haven't thought about them in a very long time. Yeah. But my parents remember more than I do. They remember everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. We see you, parents. We see you. And I read your messages and I will respond. I love that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, keep sending us messages. If you have questions you want us to answer on the podcast or just answer privately, whatever works for you, we're happy to speak to our own experiences and help the best we can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, should we get into... Let's dive in. All right, let's get into the bones of it. Um, (laughs) Oh. Gosh. So, yeah, this is on me, isn't it? This is going to be a Kristen-focused episode for sure. So, and you please jump in with questions if I'm not being clear or just something from like when you were the age I'm talking about. If you remember something, just compare our experiences. Just jump right in. Um, So, and again, I talked to my mom and dad for a lot of this. Um, So... Uh, when I was born and they 
we said in a previous episode, this was something we didn't know about until I, I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't picked up or read on any of the x-rays, at least not in a way that anyone noticed at the time. Um, so the pediatrician that my parents worked with when I was, you know, a wee baby, a newborn, they sent them to a, uh, an orthopedic surgeon and the immediate advice was to amputate. Hmm. Um, and my parents, I guess they weren't very comfortable with that, or they at least wanted a second opinion. Um, I don't think they were necessarily looking for a different answer. They just wanted to be extra. Well, amputation is yeah. a huge decision. Yeah, absolutely. So just be extra sure. Um, so they specifically then talked to a pediatric orthopedic surgeon mm. as their second opinion. That's who my mom works for. <laughs> <laughs> she works as an administrative assistant under a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. So, yeah, specifically someone who would have more of a focus on early life. Yes. Orthopedic issues. Um, Dr. Monk is the person that they talk to. I'm going to use names when I can because. Yeah, why not? Sure. Um, He was of the opinion that they should wait, which I thought was really smart. He Mm. said, look, we don't, her foot and limb might be completely viable for weight bearing and for walking. So just wait and see if she walks. Like, let's start there. And if, you know, if it gets to the point where she should be walking and there are issues, then let's look at it. But just for now, just wait and see. Um, so they did, and I walked independently at nine months. Wow. Yeah. I walked kind of early. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you didn't just walk. You, like, Yeah. I, <laughs> I apparently heard and was like, challenge accepted. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, which is kind of how I have been my whole life. So <laughs> Even as a nine-month-old baby. <laughs> yeah. That's I, great. Oh, God. It's so typical. Um <laughs> So, yeah, from there, I guess then it became more of a question of, you know, maybe we don't have to amputate. And if we don't, then what are our options? Mm -hmm. So Um, clarifying question. Yeah. Your legs were the same length when you were born? I believe they were. Or if they weren't, the difference was not very extreme. Got it. Yeah. They were pretty similar. Um Yeah, so that was the fact that I walked and the fact that it didn't seem to be bothering me or hindering me at all was a big deciding factor in the whole amputation versus surgery um, discussion. So um, that Dr. Monk, he was going to do my surgery for me, but he had only done a couple of those types of surgeries before. And my mom worked for an orthopedic surgeon at the time actually because she at the time I think she was an x-ray tech she eventually went on and she became an imaging specialist so she did um a lot of other things but at the time I believe she was an x-ray tech and the orthopedic surgeon that she worked for referred us to someone in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan who I'm sorry it's a reflex I'm a Buckeye we're gonna edit that out you do not boo (laughs) The orthopedic surgeons I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Okay. I will not boo. I was not, just to clarify, I was not booing the orthopedic surgeon. I was booing the University of Michigan. But they're good. Yeah, I'm not going to bring sports into this. Fair enough. Unless we're talking about sports that, like, I played. No. Yay, doctor at at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, who did a lot of these surgeries. Um, I'm the worst. I apologize. (laughs) So... 
my parents took me up and I think I, I actually saw, I met with him a couple of times. He'd done a lot of these surgeries. Um, and the plan was to have him do my surgeries when I hit a certain age or when it was closer to time to be thinking Mm -hmm. about actually doing the surgery, he was going to be our guy. So my mom told me that she called to start scheduling the surgery because there's pre-op stuff. You have to start monitoring Mm -hmm. the limb growth, compare it to the other um, limb to, and measure the discrepancy and you have to do all this stuff. So she called to actually start being like, Hey, let's, let's get this on the books. And the doctor let them know that he or his group or the hospital, I guess, let my parents know that the doctor had moved to Baltimore. Oh, no. (laughs) To join another orthopedic surgeon group. I should say that I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. So Ann Arbor was an easy drive. Baltimore, not so much. Not so easy. So she called them in Baltimore intending to schedule me there because... What else are you going to do? Like they were going to take me to Baltimore. Um, And then that's when the doctor and his group there told my parents, hey, there's this woman. Um, Her name is Dr. Deborah Bell. She just moved from Toronto to Detroit, um, Detroit Children's Hospital. She was the first surgeon to ever do this um, limb lengthening procedure in North America. And she has done so many of them. She's close to you. She's awesome. Wow. Maybe you should meet with her. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Plus lady doctor. Yeah. Yay for I obviously didn't care about that at the time, but now as an adult, I'm sort of like, heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we met with um, Dr. Bell was her name at the time at Detroit Children's Hospital, um, which was a very easy drive. She agreed to do this limb lengthening surgery. I had to drive up there back and forth a lot. Like I said, to do the x-rays, they have to um, check your growth plates um, to determine, you know, where things are going, how far off the limbs are. Um, And three inches, at least at the time, was the maximum length that they would do at one one time. So when we hit that point, that's when it was going to be time to do the surgery. And I should say in the meantime, because you don't want your hips and your back to develop a crooked or to have issues in, you know, other alignments in your body, I had to have shoe lifts put on the bottom of all of my shoes. Ah. Um, luckily a classmate of mine, his dad just happened to own a shoe repair shop. You're kidding. That was like five blocks from my house. I know. How crazy. Hey, Kristen, this is a gift from the universe. I know. It's, <laughs> like, what are the chances? That's wild. Yeah. So for all these years growing up, I would just stop by this repair shop. I'd drop off shoes and in not too long, they'd be ready with like little lifts built onto the bottom oh of them. Oh my Yeah. So like think of the platform shoes that the Spice Girls made famous, yeah. mm-hmm. but I only had one. I only got to have one of them, oh. but that was me just, yeah. Was it hard to walk with that? When it got up there to like the three inch mark, yeah. maybe a little bit running, especially it would feel a little wobbly, but sure. not, not bad. Not like some of the disaster walks on on catwalks that you see on YouTube. It was nothing like that. Um, but yeah, it did, especially now looking back at photos, I'm sort of thinking, wow, how did I, how did I not twist my ankle right. all the time? But no. So yeah, so then um, 
when my leg was three inches shorter, that's when we scheduled my first leg lengthening surgery. I was seven years old. First of all, I was the very first person to use a digital lengthening system in the world. Wait, no. Yes. No, you weren't. Yes. Inside Edition came and they like interviewed me and followed me around for my pre-op stuff. How did I not know this? Well, it didn't. It failed. Oh. But I'll get to that. I was the first person (laughs) that they tried it. Inside Edition doesn't know that it failed. Ooh, don't tell them. No. I don't even know if they're... (laughs) Um, So anyway, so what they did is they... They basically crack your your bone. Mm-hmm. They put a bunch of pins through your bone to stabilize it, and they attach this big metal brace. It's like a halo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have two screws, one at the top of your leg, one at the bottom of your leg, to basically hold your leg together while they're stretching the limb and as a gap forms in in your leg. Got it. Um, Do, I And my understanding is that the device is a little bit different now. Is that correct? Um, yes. I've still seen some fairly recent pictures that look very similar to what Got I had. It. So I don't know if there are determining factors that go into whether you have to have this full halo or um, some of it, it just looks like a, like a rod. Like wow. A, like a on one side of your leg it sort of looks I don't know why this is what it makes me think of but it sort of looks like a like a tire pump for your bike just like a hand a manual one it's like that size wow yeah and it's so and it's basically held in with just two screws got it you don't have all of the different pin sites but you had the halo I had the huge metal brace that encompassed my entire lower leg with several pins going in one side, Oof. out the other. And it also, they also put pins on your foot because your foot has to stay um, immobilized Got and it. in one spot during, because otherwise, if you're, oh, well, yeah. Not that I have much movement in my foot anyway, but you can't have, because it all affects if your toes move, your ankles move, right. anything. It all affects the muscles and the limbs in your entire leg. That makes sense. So, yeah. Um, and at the time, they put on this little digital computerized thing that was supposed to do the lengthening for me at specific intervals and specific amount every single day. It failed. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I woke but up. But you were the first. I was the first. <laughs> I was the guinea pig. You're welcome, anyone who has had it since. No. Um, yeah, I woke up sometime in the first week home after my surgery. I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was beeping and blinking red and my mom called and they told us how to get it to stop beeping but I basically had to go back to Detroit so that they could remove the digital portion and then they had to put on the hardware to do it the manual way which is basically they have screws that then connect the top and the bottom with a turnable pin that you then yourself are responsible for turning a very specific amount it reminds me like it sounds a little bit like my palette expander that I had as part of orthodontia I mean it's a similar idea yeah Yeah. and I'll post pictures of this stuff because I know me trying to (laughs) paint a word picture is not sufficient (laughs) sure um yeah so yeah so then I think it was a three-month process of actually stretching my leg 
Um, and then there was a second surgery once once the gap was three inches, mm-hmm. um, they took the, I had to go back in. It was a whole surgery and they removed the portion of the brace that was on my foot. Okay. Because now you can start introducing some weight. You can start bearing weight while there's still a gap in your bone and oh. while the rest of the contraption is still on. I didn't I know. know that. It, it like pains me to think about now, but yeah. <laughs> Because I remember as soon as they took that, the foot portion off, I went home and I could start, I was riding a bike. I was, yeah. I mean, it's still awkward because I've got this metal. Sure. I'm trying to like not bang my entire brace against the side (laughs) of my bike while still biking. But yeah. um, And then I think it was another three months for the new bone to grow in and to close the gap. And then you go back in, they remove the whole brace. And I think they put a cast on just for some stabilization. Um, And that's it. Wow. Yeah. So they did that twice when I was seven. And then they did that again when I was 13. Pretty much the exact same process with the, the initial surgery, the removal of the foot portion, and then the removal of the rest of the hardware. Um, And in between, So I had the first one when I was in first grade, when I was seven. And the second one, I think at the end of seventh grade, when I was 13. Uh Um, And in the middle, I had some ankle reconstruction because my ankle used to turn in. Mm -hmm. And also from the leg lengthening, a tendon had gotten really tight and it was pulling my toes under. Ah. Like my toes were starting to curl under. So they had to release that tendon. And they also realigned my ankle so that it would be straight and that's when they fused my ankle with um screws got it so i do have screws still to this day in my ankle so that's seven surgeries total wow three for each of the lengthening portions and then ankle reconstruction wow yes and then as far as functionality now can you talk a little bit about like the results (laughs) yeah absolutely um because this, this was one of the questions that one of the parents that messaged me on Instagram, she asked me, she used a term, like, I didn't even know what this meant, which is a good sign, I guess. She asked me if I had to have an AFO. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I had to look it up, and I have to again right now. <laughs> because, okay, it's an ankle foot orthosis. Okay. It's a support intended to control the position and motion of the ankle to compensate for weakness or correct deformities. Okay. So I hadn't even thought about the assumption being that even post-surgeries, you might need a device or some type of support for the rest of your life. The Uh answer for me is no. Yeah. I've occasionally for sports or if, you know, just if my foot is a little sore from extra activity... I'll use one of those like ace bandage wraps mm-hmm. um, or just a store, like a drugstore bought ankle yeah. brace. But other than that, nothing. Wow. Yeah. Which I hesitate to say this, but I was thinking about the decision between amputation and leg lengthening uh-huh. surgery and just all, like, if I were making the decision today, what would go into that? 
And I don't, I don't, I can't speak to the other side because I don't know what it's like to have a, um, a prosthetic limb, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how often you have to get those adjusted or if they have a shelf, not a shelf life, but you know, um, what the lifespan of a typical, um, prosthetic limb is, how often you have to get a new one or what the upkeep is for it. So mine was very heavy with doctors and, um, you know, the shoe repair person I had, um, I went to other doctors to put inserts into my shoe just to make my, my foot a little more comfortable because the Uh bottom surface of my foot, it isn't flat. It's a little different. It's a little bonier than a normal foot. So yeah. Um, so it was a lot of that in my younger years, but I don't think I've, I don't think I've had to see anyone for something related to my limb difference since my teen years, probably. And I'm 35 years old. So, So, I mean, I would say you're a success story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just want to say, so by the time I had my second leg lengthening surgery, I went to the same doctor in Detroit. She was still there. By this time, she was Deborah Stanitsky. She'd gotten married Uh in the in-between. She was is a she was so short and such a petite lady but she was just so dynamic and so strong and smart and I just loved her as soon as I met her what I mean, a role I'm sh- model for you oh, to have. Yeah. And it, it, of course, being a, at the time I was a child, but now even as an adult, I'm a short, small statured person. Uh-huh. So I think even as a kid, I just loved having this tiny woman who was so impactful and so, she was like a superhero to me, oh, I remember. And awesome. She was so great with kids. Pediatric orthopedic surgery was such a great such a great choice for her. Um, and my my last necessary follow-up schedule after my second surgery, they'd removed the brace. You just have to go back a couple times afterwards. They take the cast off, but they just they want to follow up and just yeah. take x-rays and see how everything is. So it was my last scheduled visit up at um, Detroit Children's. And... It was also her very last day no. before she moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, I think I place. was I think I was her last patient of oh the my day. Gosh. So I was one of her first patients when she moved to Detroit, and I was her very last patient before she moved her whole practice far away. Wow. I know. And not long after she moved to Charleston, she had a head injury. That, unfortunately, I think, I'm pretty sure that ended her surgeon, her career as a surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. But she's still, she's doing amazing things. Um, I mean, she obviously touched your life in such a huge way. I can't imagine the number of children she was able to help. Like... That's like I can picture her face. I can hear her voice. I can remember her mannerisms. She... It was amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And she um, she now is a para-equestrian. Explain that to me. So she, um, <laughs> she I think her focus is in dressage, but she, she rides horses like, oh competitively. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. So it's just, 
you know, for differently abled equestrians, that's that's super yeah, cool. The competition that they do. I don't know a lot about it, so I obviously can't speak very intelligently about it. But I just see her. She is on Instagram, and a lot of it has to do. It, the main focus of a lot of her posts is um, her work as an equestrian. And with you as an animal lover, I know that speaks directly to your heart. Just like, that's so awesome. And of course she's doing something amazing still. What a cool woman. I, I hope she doesn't mind me saying all of this. And if she hears it and doesn't mind, maybe she also wouldn't mind if not joining us for an episode, maybe at least just writing in a little something oh, yeah that, that would be so read. cool to talk to her I just I love her so much ah. so overall I mean with the choice for you personally between amputation and limb lengthening do mm-hmm. you think your parents made the right choice for you absolutely yeah and I again I we said it at the beginning but I want to say it again here because I have a very strong opinion about my own experience and what was right for me this says nothing about what other people should do. I don't yeah. want anyone to base their decision on what I'm saying or describing here. Of course. But I I really agree with that, with Dr. Monk that my parents saw, the first pediatric orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Those words are so hard. Like, <laughs> A pediatric uh-huh. orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. Pediatric orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Where he was just like, let's not cut off her leg. Before we know what she can do with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's smart. And I know like so many amputees also live incredible full lives and are happy with that decision too. Again, this was 30 years ago. I'm I'm 35. All these things were being talked about, you know, in the first few years, some in the first few months of my life. I asked my parents, I said, if you were making the decision today with what, you know, prosthetic limbs are now do you think you'd make the same choice and they were like we think so but it's it would be a lot harder yeah um for me it being you know the mid 80s and also just the fact that I was lucky enough that I didn't have any um trouble starting to walk as a baby that made the decision a lot easier yeah um and even today just thinking about it I'm I don't have I don't have many day to day issues, right? Other than some discomfort, I have to. We'll talk about this when we get to the adaptations that we make for things in day to day life. But other than altering my shoes, yeah, or having to hunt for shoes a little more than most people do, um, I can't play soccer. That was one thing. <laughs> I played I played basketball, volleyball, and softball all through school the one thing the doctors told me i couldn't play was soccer because of the impact well yeah anyone kicking around your ankle is not great for someone who has had theirs reconstructed probably not wise yeah other people kicking at my (laughs) lower limb maybe not but yeah so i'm not a star soccer player that's the the (laughs) biggest long-term impact but i don't know i i walk every day i ride my bike every day i'm a stage actor yeah so I don't the choice that was made was right for you oh yeah I I don't think about anything related to my foot when I get out of bed in the morning yeah yeah that's awesome um one thing I do have to be careful for is in the winter Mm -hmm. um we're in Ohio so it gets very cold in the winter um because I still have 
well, I mean, I never had an ankle joint, but my ankle is still fused and I don't have that motion. It, um, I have to watch my circulation in sure. my foot. Um, cause there's not much. So I have to wear extra socks or like leg warmers are really helpful. Um, sometimes if my foot gets really cold and I don't have the opportunity to move it, um, I'll just take a warm bath, which I like to do yeah. anyway. <laughs> but I remember we were, you and I were together in a meeting for um, a theater and the theater didn't have heat, heat that day. at the time. <gasps> and I, I remember... remember I could just feel my foot starting to go numb and I was, it probably looked like I was so impatient to get out of this meeting, <laughs> but I was just trying to like, I was kind of lightly hitting my foot on the floor, yeah. like people tapping their foot, but I can't bend my ankle. So it was me just like hitting my whole leg on the floor. I was just trying to get circulation just going because I could, up. yeah, because I could just feel, I could feel my foot going cold. Um, that's the worst thing. I guess. Yeah, if that's the worst thing, you're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. That went a lot faster than I thought. Wow. I mean, that's – what a journey, though, to it get is. to where you are. and It is. Um, yeah, and again, like, I remember very specific days. I do remember the pain sometimes if I think about it or especially if I have, like, a picture from that time it'll kind of bring me back, but I don't, looking back on my childhood and even specifically those periods, it's not like that's the overwhelming sense memory. Yeah, or, it's not the defining yeah, thing. That's not what my brain goes to at all. Um, so would you say you had a relatively normal childhood even with the surgeries and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, there's no question. Yeah. Yes. And honestly, sometimes I look back now and it's sort of this feeling of, did I really do, did I go through that? Yeah. Because I know I did. And it's so, I think about now how I would feel if I was anticipating having to do this and I'd right. be so terrified. But now looking back, it's like, yeah, that was just, it's just a thing. Kids I are did. so resilient. They're so resilient. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, on the absolute opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> is me. <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, Anna. So I was born basically the way I am now. I never had any surgeries um, on my – the only surgery I've ever had was to remove my wisdom teeth. <laughs> so – Not impacted by, um, by your right limb. Yeah. I expect. No. <laughs> so I – yeah, I – I think for me, the reason that there was never a discussion about medical intervention as far as surgeries or limb lengthening or anything like that is because I had full functionality of all of my digits on my yeah. right side. Yeah. I was born with a thumb. I, my dog, Aria, is currently on Kristen and sniffing the microphone. So if you hear some little snoofs, that's her. She's a beautiful little black too. lab. I love her. Black lab. <laughs> Sorry, she's actually charcoal. I say black because nobody knows what charcoal is, but she's just a diluted black lab, mm -hmm. and she's beautiful, mm -hmm. and my pumpkin. I, I just said good boy because I'm so used to Finn. So used to your girl. dog? <laughs> You'll see pictures of our dogs, oh, I'm yeah. sure. We'll have to share those. But anyway, um, so I was born with a fully functioning thumb, and I think that's the thing that I see most frequently um, with – 
people who are considering medical intervention for their children with upper limb differences is if they don't have a functioning thumb. Mm. Um, they can do something now where they take another digit and put it in place of the thumb and it functions as a thumb. Okay. Um, and I've seen that as an option. And I mean, I it's – it's one of those things where I I would feel so conflicted as a parent because it's not like at the time that this would have to be done, your child is able to make an informed decision mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. So you're kind of in that space to make that choice for them, which is very hard. Um, but I will say that for me, my thumb is my saving grace on that hand. Um I I have so much functionality and I am able to do so many things because I have that opposing thumb and the dexterity with it. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I there is a small discrepancy in the length between my arms, but again, because my arms are not weight bearing, <laughs> um I that was never a concern nothing we had to fix so it's still a little bit shorter it wasn't gonna affect your entire spinal development exactly (laughs) exactly so um we just left it alone and the things I think I may have mentioned this in a previous episode the things that were considerations was whether or not to train me to be left-handed um right which my parents decided against and it's like the only time in the universe that the world has suggested someone Right, be forced to be left-handed. <laughs> I know. All throughout history, they tried to force right-handedness. I know. And then, they tried to make my mom be right-handed, and she was just, Ugh. Yeah. So, That's just so funny. I'm like, no, she will be a lefty. Right. No. And um, I actually, there was a boy that my, my brother's friend, okay, follow me on this. My brother's friend's brother had, I believe he had some brachydactyly. Um, which is, um, if you if you look at the Lucky Finn logo, mm-hmm. um, that's the hand on their logo. The yeah. the daughter of the founder yeah. has symbrachydactyly. So, um, and he was naturally right handed when he was growing up, but um, was retrained to be a lefty. Okay. Um, because I have the two functioning fingers and the opposable thumb. It, it just didn't make sense to do for me because I was very obviously dominantly right-handed. Yeah. Um, so my parents just left that alone. The only other medical intervention I can really think of throughout my life is that I, and I think I discussed this on a previous episode as well, is that I get really bad writer's cramp. So, oh, yeah. So yeah. I've had to at some points wear a brace just one that you can buy at the drugstore. And just for extra support. Just for some yeah. extra support for a few days while those muscles relax and heal. Um, so I did see actually the doctor that my mom works for now. Um, he, it's so funny that both of our moms worked for orthopedic, pediatric orthopedic surgeons. How bizarre. Yeah. Like, And my mom – did not work in that field yeah. and just happened to kind of find this job through like connections. She temped for somebody yeah, um, <laughs> and just ended up taking that position. So, yeah. um, well, yours was your mom worked for pediatric. Yes. She currently surgeon. works okay. for a pediatric orthopedic Jeez. surgeon and um, his name is Dr. Mike Albert and he is awesome. Just a really again, all these pediatric surgeons are incredible, and he's just yeah. he's an 
awesome, genuine, kind man. And when you said he does limb lengthening yes. surgeries, um, okay. as far as I know, yes. Now and I don't. I I forgot to mention this. My specific surgery, the um, the method was the Elizaroth procedure. I don't know what the difference is between. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how many different versions of limb lengthening surgeries there are. I don't know. We'll have to get some doctors on this podcast. I just know that mine, in case anyone is wondering, because they know of many (laughs) different methods, mine was the Elizaroth. Elizaroth. Yeah. That sounds like something straight out of Dungeons and Dragons. I I like it. Um, So... So yeah, I went and saw Dr. Albert when I was having some pain in um, high school, mm-hmm. um, specifically because we were doing more test prep, you know, for like the SATs and the ACTs mm-hmm. when you have to write all those essays and everything. And I was having some pretty significant pain from all the writing. And my mom just wanted to check and see if like there was um, any arthritis or anything. And Dr. Albert also happened to be a friend of the family at the time. So we knew him even before she started working there and he, she just happened to end up in his department. So, um, so she asked if he could take a look and everything and he did some extra A's and just pretty much confirmed what I already knew that, um, it's, basically just lack of certain muscles that my other muscles are compensating for so so yeah I've had next to no medical intervention which I mean that's great yeah I've seen videos of people I forget what I was watching but I wasn't expecting to see anything related to the surgery that I had Mm -hmm. it was some documentary about people trying to make it in the modeling business and I think this girl in it was like in Russia I think she was only 5'4 or 5'5 and she wanted to be taller so that Uh she had a better chance at being a model so she had this done on both of her legs wow I think they only did it for an inch and a half or two inches and part of me is just thinking First of all, at 5'4", that only puts you at 5'6". That's still short for a model. (laughs) Second, you have just... I mean, I have scars on my legs. I don't know that there's any way to do this surgery that doesn't scar you at least a little bit. Or in my case, like a lot. Sure. That's not going to be productive in, (laughs) you know... A very looks-based industry. Yeah. I mean, makeup exists. And third, like you just put yourself through... Something that, I mean, I'm not going to say it's traumatic because it's, it's not, um, but it's, I, I don't know. I was just so. It's a process. I was yeah. baffled and astonished and just so. Yeah, you're right. I have interested. Heard, I have heard of elective limb lengthening before. Well, and, and it's a it's a big um, it's a controversial topic um, for little people in the little people community. Oh, interesting. You know, if, uh, you know, if. She is like not letting go of my foot. Oh, oh yeah. She's holding little foot. Oh. As oh. we're doing this podcast, <laughs> Anna's dog has decided to settle herself under the table and just put her paw on little foot. It's actually really adorable. It's really cute and she, oh. I'm taking a picture. Now she Oh, she put it back. I keep kind of moving it and she just keeps putting her paw up. That'll be going on our Instagram. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, it's the elective limb lengthening um, issue is 
controversial in um, the community of little people because, mm-hmm. you know, some people you just feel like, oh, you should just embrace what you are and be proud of it and not opt for, you know, trying to fit in with, you know, quote unquote normal yeah. um, height of people. But I can see how if you're, if you're under a certain height and if, you know, functioning is, yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't really want to, because for world... me, this wasn't a, this wasn't a thing. It was right. either do this or, I mean, I could have not, but I'd be, I mean, my spine would probably be crooked. I have right. a mess of other medical conditions going on if I had done nothing. Right. Um, or amputation. Yeah. And those. That was it. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that I hadn't considered is, is the world is built for people of average height. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you try to make yourself fit the world or do you try to adapt the world to fit you? It's yeah. kind of, it's one of those, you know, either or situations for sure. Yeah. A lot of the pictures that I've found now that I have fibular hemimelia to actually look up, a lot of the pictures are of very small children who have already had their uh, leg amputated. Wow. Um, which, yeah, it just makes me think, what if we'd gone the other way with my surgery? Sure. Um, and it's it's just strange to me because I don't – I don't know what their situation was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if um, if they had a viable limb for walking in the first place. Sure. A lot of legs bow out. There can be extreme angles right. um, with the bone development and with how the ankle aligns itself. Yeah. So, I mean, for some people that might just be yeah, the I better think, option. Like, I've seen that with ulnar longitudinal deficiency mm-hmm. as well. Like, it, it from the research I did, it appears that there are, I think, four distinct types or grades of it. Yeah. And I'm either at like a type zero or a type one where there's very little impact to the arm itself and just some missing digits. Yeah. But there are cases where surgery would absolutely be required where mm-hmm. the where the limb is extremely bowed yeah. or, um, or surgery could then in that case improve functionality. Yeah. Yeah, so that might be a case if if there's some extreme situation where it's unlikely that the limb is going to be viable for a walking surface Mm -hmm. um, or for support. I could see that as a situation where you don't have the opportunity to give your child the input into the decision that I was at least lucky enough to have. Yeah. (laughs) Even as a four- or five-year-old child, my parents tried to – explain things to me and involve me as much as possible but we were lucky enough to have the options because I walked yeah on my own and then on the flip side of that coin I mean early amputation probably be probably means an easier time adapting to a prosthetic because children are so much more adaptable than adults yeah so yeah by the time my parents I asked my parents today um I distinctly remember the conversation that I think I talked about in one of our first two episodes where they asked me what I wanted. And I, I just remember not even being able to wrap my brain around the idea of amputation Mm -hmm. because by the time we were having this conversation, I loved my foot and my parents, I talked to them today just to prep for talking about this to make sure I had, I had my memory straight and I didn't just say stuff that was just completely 
fictional. Right. Um, and they said, no, you loved your foot. You didn't want to, that was not even a, a question for you. Yeah. Of course, like we weren't going to take your foot. We, we presented you the option, but we, we knew what you would say. I loved my little foot. Yeah. Um, and I think having the child involved in the decision, if possible, is definitely something you would want to yeah. do. And another thing that I think about sometimes is like, if it's a cosmetic issue, like if it doesn't impact functioning, I personally, my personal opinion on that is let the child decide for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like let them grow up a little bit and then see what they want to do because they may celebrate that difference and want to keep it or they may want to have the cosmetic surgery done to make it look more typical. Right. So I remember that in the, in the final few visits after my last surgery, that was something that people started to bring up, not in a pressure way, but just as a, you know, we don't know moving forward what issues will arise in the future. Um, functionally, we think you're going to be fine now. Um, the pins in my ankle could have caused pain or problems, at which point they can be taken out. They're not necessary anymore. Uh-huh. They're just there because there's no reason to take them out. Right. But they did bring up cosmetic surgery. I don't know what it would be but just something to minimize the scarring mm-hmm. or maybe something to fatten up my right calf because it is a lot skinnier it is thinner yeah, yeah it's a lot thinner um so maybe those were what they were talking about but I just remember instantly thinking no yeah like no I don't <laughs> you don't want why that why would I um first of all just I was so done with surgeries at that point. Sure. Like, you know, you're just glad to be at the end of this thing. Think about it. This is a thing that you knew was in your future from the time you were four, four years old. Right. And I was at the finish line now at 13, close to 14. I'm not thinking about the next surgery at all. Second to that is that I am not the most... <laughs> I'm not really into appearances much at all like I'm such a I don't know how to say this that I'm not saying if if something to improve yourself cosmetically is important to you I'm not judging at all that was just something that I had no interest in yeah and never have um like I think for me for example it it also depends on what it is like I had my teeth fixed because I didn't like the way they looked because I had peg laterals and I decided to get veneers but I probably wouldn't change the look of my hand if I had the ability to do so Yeah. yeah um I also I'm really proud of my scars yeah not in a I don't know. It's not like, look at my, my war wounds or anything <laughs> like, like my battle scars. But just, I, I love it. I'm used to it. It's what I know. It is a reminder of just all this stuff that I accomplished. You earned those. Yeah, I did. And like I sort of uh, referenced previously in um, our language episode where I talked about how I think of Littlefoot as almost a like a partner or a friend it's a separate entity like that's that's my friend why would I, I love my leg why would I yeah 
that's what it looks like. I don't want it to look different. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's a whole separate mental thing. You love your friend, but you love your friends for who they are and you wouldn't want to change them. So if it's, if that's how you associate your. Yeah. Now, if Littlefoot spoke to me and was like, I hate my scars. (laughs) I'd have different problems. Yeah, that that would be an entirely different issue that we need to address on a different medical intervention episode. <laughs> That's my side podcast. <laughs> Conversations with Littlefoot. I love um, it. I love it. No, but that's – cosmetic surgery has never been a thing for me, and no other surgeries until a need arises are even in my, in my peripheral vision anywhere. Yeah. So, yep. Awesome. I think that's it. Yeah, I was going to say, is there anything else? I feel like we covered a lot. You I feel really... like we did. I feel like my voice is getting strained, and I'm so <laughs> sorry because <laughs> to my, I can hear my voice getting tired. Also, working from home and being like socially distancing for months, I notice if I talk more than for like 10 minutes at a time, my voice starts to go. It's like your voice is probably just like, what are we doing? We- yeah. I thought we were done with this, this talking thing. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> there are so many days where the only person I talk to is my dog. So exactly. I, the number of words per day that I say is extremely limited. Now. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think I'm, I think I'm done. But obviously if anyone has any questions, please let me know. Um, if you had any thoughts or input or your own experiences that you want to share, um, as always, contact us, leave us a message um, through I mean, our, our Facebook or our Instagram page. I would love to hear from somebody who feels really positively about their decision to amputate. You I know? was thinking, as we were talking, I was thinking it would be a great idea to have someone on if we could, um, just to offer that other perspective. Because I get, I get very self-conscious of saying anything about how I feel feel like my decision was better for me compared to that because I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that would be an awful life to live or no, an awful no. situation or anything. And I it just very well could be the best decision to make yeah, for that individual. Oh, absolutely. I just, I don't know what that would be like. And I, I would be so curious and interested to speak with someone who, who did go down that road. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Please reach out to us. Yeah, talk to us. We are on Facebook and Instagram now. Mm -hmm. Um, Life and Limb Series on Facebook, facebook.com slash life and limb series. And on Instagram, it is at life and limb podcast. I didn't even realize Facebook was series. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I would have said it wrong. So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, Life and Limb Podcast was taken, but it's a defunct podcast that doesn't, I don't want to say defunct. It's no longer in production. Oh, no. But they have that handle. I wonder what that was about. I think it was like an art podcast. Oh. We should listen. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think they stopped recording new episodes in 2014, if I remember correctly. Yeah. We're good. Ours is the one with some recent posts. Yes, that's and it's got our faces on the cover and everything. So you can find us. And our limbs. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so find us on social media. Reach out. Tell us about your experiences. Um, If you want to give us permission to read a post from you on the podcast, let us know that too. And we totally would include it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, until next time. Yeah, I don't know what we're talking about next time, but I'm excited to do this again. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm going to let you talk a lot more next time. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I think next time I'll probably have a topic that I have more experience with too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, we'll figure out what that is and should be out probably in about two weeks. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will be back soon. All right. Bye.